Good morning. Snap your fingers. He is good.
Good morning. He is good, and His mercy endures forever. His mercies are new today. His grace is new today. It is all new. And I don't know if you're in a new seat today, or if you're in a new room, um, trying a new thing, but we want to say Happy Memorial Day and a day to remember those who have served us, a day to remember our family that have gone before us and left us. So uh, we are encouraged to be together today to worship Him. It, it is a choice, even in your living room. So I want to encourage you with that this morning. He is good amongst it all. This next song, we're going to raise a hallelujah, raise our voice in the midst of it all. When it gets hard, you sing, I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemy in my living room. I raise a hallelujah Louder than my unbelief I raise a hallelujah My weapon is a melody I raise a hallelujah Heaven comes to fight for me. I'm gonna sing. Oh, and I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, gonna hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated, the king is alive.
sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. Gonna sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. Gonna sing a little louder. everyone every every time I turn around even standing in line at the store with the six feet between us I still have people turning around and I can see that look on their face that they're ready for this to be over they're done they're tired of wearing their mask they're just ready and I can see that they want to say something and some of those people don't know who to raise a hallelujah to and that they have someone they can actually depend on they have someone that is in control they have someone that knows the end to this story. And we do know who that is. We know that God has this in the palm of his hands. That he's not going to let everything get out of control because he knows exactly what's going on in every nook and cranny that we can't see. He's got it. So I pray that your hallelujah shows when you're on the outside. I pray that when you're standing in line at Walmart or Safeway or whatever your corner of the world is, 
that someone can look at you and see your eyes are smiling over your mask because you have hope and a lot of people need hope. So I pray that as you're sitting there right now in your home with your families or by yourself or with a friend, I just pray that you recognize that Jesus has given us a reason to hoop and holler, to shout, to say hallelujah, and to recognize that it's all okay, that we're just riding out this storm. Just like Peter did, as soon as he took his eyes off Jesus, he started sinking. So don't take your eyes off him. We're almost there. We're getting to the end. Just stay focused on him. That storm is subsiding, and he's got it. And he's blessing us as he comes back and forth and in and out of the circumstances. And he's going to bless us all over again. He hasn't lifted his hand. He won't leave, and he won't forsake. And he's not going to leave us hanging, as my kids would say, (laughs) which I love. So right now, let's just close our eyes and get focused on Jesus. Lord, we, we came here for you. This isn't something that we do for people. It isn't something that we do for ourselves to lift us up. Because honestly, as soon as it's over, we're back in that same place again. So Lord, we've come here for you to give you an offering of our hearts, of our minds, of our spirits. To give you an offering of praise because you deserve it. You are worthy of that. So Lord, I pray that this will be sweet. That all the lazy boy chairs that are sitting out there rocking will be rocking in time to what you have placed in the melody of our hearts. I pray, Jesus, that the aroma that comes from our attitudes will be sweet. And if it's not, then remove it from us, Lord. Purge that out. Get it out of there because, Lord, we want it to be sweet to you. You are good. And you give us so many reasons to sing. So, Lord, I just pray that the rest of this worship time will be honoring to you. I pray that you will come into each of our personal spaces and meet us there. I pray that our hearts will be open to hear you and to smell your fragrance. And I pray, Jesus, that that this offering will be sweet to you. We love you, Lord. Thank you for meeting us right where we're at. Thanks for showing us that you've got everything under control. And we trust you in it as well, Jesus. And we just pray that this will be sweet to you.
He is for you, he is for you, he is for you. 
next song is a hymn you may recognize you may not how deep the father's love for us how vast beyond all measure that he give his only son to make a wretch's treasure how great how great the pain of searing loss the father turns his face away as wounds which mark the chosen one bring many sons to glory Can I give an answer? 
just make a obvious statement that uh, we do miss you all being here we do miss being together I think we need each other and I have heard people tell you know it, it's kind of nice being at home and watching the service and turn it over to another channel and watch another service and it's kind of nice and but I think we all know deep down it's good to be together. So we can't wait till that day happens and hopefully soon. Last song is a good song. It's a good, good, good song. Good song. <laughs> and for those at home, this is in the key of E. <laughs> choose you. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hand. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, I will of the goodness of God. And all my life you have been faithful. Hear that? And all my life you have been so, so the goodness of God. I love His voice. Oh, You have led me through the fire. In darkest nights, You are close like no other. I've known You like a father. Oh, I've known You as a friend.
You'll be with Pastor Tim today as he brings us a message. Anoint him with a fresh anointing, Jesus. Give him the energy he needs. You know what kind of morning he had. But Lord, I pray that your spirit will just come down and just wash through him and out. Touch your people with your word. That is where our strength comes from. Your word is everything that we need to get through. We love you. We praise you for for dying for us. Lord, we just say that so lightly, but you died for us, for this person here I talk about, in myself, that you would consider me, you would, you would consider me worthy enough to die for it. Lord, I'm not worthy to stand underneath the dirt that comes off of your feet, but you died for me anyway. How great we all are for that. Lord, I pray that you'll be with us this week. I pray that you'll move in and through our families and all the circumstances. And I pray, Jesus, that we will honor you through it all and that we'll make you proud. And when we do mess up or we have a bad attitude, Lord, pick us up, dust us off, and start us down that road again because we love you and you come first. So we thank you, Jesus, and be with us the rest of this morning. We praise your holy, wonderful, unbelievable name, Jesus. Amen. So we want to remind you all again, the offering can be dropped off, snail mailed in, or you can go online to wlcchurch.com to give online. And then we are also going to have update from Shelby that's going to come and do that this morning. Do we have the video first, Scott? Video's going to be first, so you'll see that, and then you'll see Shelby. God's story, Jesus. So part of God's story is about his son named Jesus and some of the things Jesus liked to do. It goes like this. 
You might have already heard some stories about Jesus. Some stories are really famous, like how Jesus was born at Christmas, or how he died on a cross and then came back to life on Easter. You also might have heard that Jesus taught big crowds or made sick people feel better. He did do all those things, but that's not all there is to know about Jesus. He also did a lot of normal stuff, like help his mom with chores, play with his brothers and sisters, maybe even pick his nose. The Bible never actually says Jesus picked his nose, but it does say he was just like you and me. Anyway, one normal thing we know Jesus liked for sure was playing with his friends. Do you like to play with friends? You probably have friends who like to play different things. Maybe some of your friends like to play video games, some go swimming or to the playground, some like to chase around fake aliens with lasers. The really fun thing about friends is being together, no matter what you're playing. Well, Jesus spent a lot of time with friends doing different sorts of things. He would go over to their houses a lot just to hang out and usually eat some food. They sometimes went fishing or rode on a boat. Jesus had 12 best friends. They were called his disciples. A disciple is anyone who follows Jesus. We can be disciples too, if we decide to follow him. And the really cool thing is, Jesus wants to be friends with us and everybody. And we know that because he was always making new friends. He even made friends with people nobody else liked, because Jesus likes everyone. When Jesus wasn't with his friends, he might have been doing a normal thing like resting, just like how you might take a nap or play alone in your bedroom. This one day, Jesus was so tired that he took a nap on a boat, and he didn't even wake up when a huge storm came. Have you ever woken up in the middle of the night because you heard thunder and lightning? Well, imagine how scary it would be if your whole bed was jumping up and down too. Not you jumping up and down on your bed, the bed jumping up and down on the floor. That's what it felt like for Jesus in that boat. But he was so tired, he was sleeping right through it. Jesus knew God was with him, so he could sleep even during a storm. And he knew it's important to rest when you're tired. Sometimes Jesus rested by going somewhere by himself so he could talk to God. One place he really liked going was into a garden. Picture sitting under a big tree in the shade or climbing up your favorite tree. We don't know if Jesus liked climbing trees, but we do know Jesus liked to be alone to pray and that sometimes he prayed outside. You also might not have known that Jesus loved going to parties. Think about the parties you've been to. Birthday parties, roller skating parties, Christmas parties. You're not the only one there, right? Usually lots of people go because parties are a way for us to celebrate something really cool with people we care about. Jesus loved doing that too. One time Jesus went to a wedding with his family and friends in a town called Cana, but right in the middle of the reception, the wine ran out. There was only water left. Jesus saved the day by turning that water into wine. It was his first miracle. A miracle is when something happens that humans can't do by themselves. God has to help them. When Jesus did this miracle, the people at the party were able to keep right on having a good time. Jesus showed us that he cares about celebrating special things. Jesus played with his friends, rested, or celebrated many times in the Bible. We just don't talk about those things as often because they're regular activities that regular people, like you and me, do all the time. Now even though Jesus was the Son of God and able to heal sick people and tell amazing stories to huge crowds, he was also a lot like us. And that's the story of some things Jesus liked to do. You give life, you are love, you bring light to the darkness, you give hope, you restore every heart that is broken.
coronavirus fishing sucks. Well, good morning. Great to see you today, as, as if I could, could see you. It's been an interesting week, hasn't it? Uh, things are going along well, and then the president announces that he's lifting this ban on churches, and we all kind of freak out about what does that mean for us. Well, interesting. And as I drove to the church this morning, I realized that the uh, 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 thing with Teller County had been uh, lifted to some degree, and there were people at uh, the Hungry Bear and Grandma's Kitchen, and it's like restaurants are opening up, and it's getting really weird. Um, I did a little uh, uh, survey with my Facebook friends yesterday, last night, and I asked how, how many past. I asked the pastors, "How many of you? When are your churches going to open?" Since the president's uh, big proclamation. And it was across the board. Some said, we're opening tomorrow, which would be today. And others said, next Sunday, the 31st. And others said, the 7th. And some said, the 14th. And some said, not till July. So that's interesting as well. A few weeks ago, our church board decided that we would officially open on the 7th of June. That's two weeks from today. And so that official grand opening will still take place on the seventh two weeks from today and that's going to be an exciting time when as uh, Todd said we have the opportunity to see you again and uh, share the, all of this with you and I don't know if you noticed this or not but I've noticed Todd when he's leading worship he started moving he's he's got rhythm and he's he's dancing a little bit and I, it's it's weird in this empty building to see Todd dancing. But if you come on the 7th, you too can watch Todd dance. And it's going to be an exciting morning. You won't, you won't want to, to miss it. It's Memorial Day. And I guess I wonder to some degree what you're remembering today. Some of you my age or older, you're having trouble remembering anything. But I hope that there are some things, some... Uh, things that are pretty uh, important in your life that come to mind this morning. If you have a Bible there with you, open it with me to uh, Genesis chapter 28, and then you might want to flip back and have uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1 available here a little later. But I want to read for you this morning uh, from Genesis chapter 28, beginning with verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. 
All peoples of the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to the land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord was in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! There is none other. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it and then called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz, Luz, L-U-Z, great name for town, I guess. This morning, the text tells us a story that most of us who've been around the church for any time at all are somewhat familiar with. It's a story about Jacob, one of the patriarchs of the Old Testament, and Jacob had a dream. It seems that he was traveling along the road, and nightfall came, it got dark, and so he was a long way from where he was going, so he pulled over to the side of the road, and he laid down for the night. And he opened up his bedroll, rolled it out there beside the road, and realized that he didn't have a pillow. So he pulled over a stone to use for a pillow. This was the first instance in history of my pillow being introduced to mankind. He fell asleep and he had a dream while he was there on that pillow. Uh, and he dreamed that there was a ladder, a great ladder, miles long. It was stretching way up into the heavens and the angels were climbing up that ladder and they were coming back down. And he dreamed that he saw the Lord and the Lord said, Hello there, Jacob. Remember me? This land is what I gave to your parents, and I give it to you and to your children and to your children's children, and everyone in the world will know it, and they will know you, and they will know me, and your very name will be a blessing, and wherever you are, I will be there, and wherever you go, I will bring you back. And Jacob woke up, and he said, wow. God was in this place, and I didn't even know it. And Jacob took the rock that he had laid his head on for a pillow, and he set it apart, and he set it aside, and he declared that that rock would be holy. And he named the place Bethel. We pronounce it Bethel. But that name means the house of God. Anytime you see the word Beth. In the Bible, it means house. So don't name your daughter Beth. Beth means house. Bethlehem, what does that mean? House of bread. And it remained a holy place. This place where he had pulled this rock out of the dirt, set it up after using it for a pillow. It became this holy place. And for hundreds of years afterwards, people came there and they worshipped. And this isn't the only place. There are many stories in the Bible where people set up a marker as some kind of a memorial. There's the story of Samuel who set up a stone after a battle with the Philistines and he called that stone 
Ebenezer, which means the stone of help. Some of you are old enough to remember when we used to sing a song that had a phrase in it that said, Lord, I lift my Ebenezer. As a kid, I was wondering, what, what is my Ebenezer? That Ebenezer means stone of help. Lord, I lift my stone of help. And there's the story of Moses. When he and the people of Israel were wandering in the desert and they didn't have any water and they blamed Moses for the fact that they didn't have any water. And they said, why in the world did you bring us out in the desert so that we could die of thirst? And the Lord said to Moses, pass on before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the rod with which you struck the river Nile and I will stand before you on the rock. And you will strike the rock and the water will come out of it so that the people may drink. And so he did. And they did. And they called that place Massah or Meribah. Two Hebrew words which means proof or contention. Because this was the place where the people had found fault with Moses. And that was where they said, is the Lord among us here or not? I mean, I could go on and on because there are so many stories like this in the Bible where people set up a stone or built an altar or reminded themselves of what God had done or what God was going to do or that God was there or to remind themselves of promises that they had made. And I think of them as these little pegs throughout the Bible where people had the opportunity to hang a memory on that stone, on that altar, on that event, so they could go back and be reminded of something incredible that had happened there perhaps centuries before. I'm not sure I want to get into the altar business, but I think it's worthwhile for us to take a look at the memorial business once in a while. Let me show you what I mean. Out here in our parking lot, there is one particular island, kind of a prayer garden where we've got memorial stones or bricks. And maybe you purchased one. Uh, shameless plug here now, but if you haven't purchased one and would like to purchase one, give me a call. We'll make sure you get one for a small fee. But think with me for a moment. Imagine with me, imagine that it's not 20 20, but it's 2060. And this church is still standing here. Only it's much bigger than it is now. And people come here who weren't here when you were here and I was here. And they walk by that little island out there with those stones in it. And they see those stones with those names on them. And they gaze at those bricks put there in memory of someone. And they say, I wonder who that was. Think about it. We have these markers, these plaques, everywhere in our world. And we walk past them every week, and we don't know what they mean. It's true, so many of the memorials that we see every day, whether it's bridges or highways or buildings, once in a while you'll see a sign that says, perhaps Martin Luther King Memorial Highway. Everywhere we go, we see things with people's names on them. I attended Friends University in Wichita, Kansas. It was started, I think, in 1889. 
And there are names of people over some of the rooms in that oldest building on the campus. And you walk through there and you look at those names and I think, I didn't, I have no idea who these people are. No one remembers. I'm not sure what we're supposed to do when we see that name of someone, we don't know why they named that room after them. Somehow, it still seems appropriate to us. It's something deep in the human psyche to want to leave a permanent marker of some kind. We, we don't want to be forgotten. We want to be remembered. We want a sense that our lives mattered. So, we like stones. And we like markers. And time capsules. And plaques. Because they're a way of saying, like the stone in the story here of Jacob, something special happened here. And we were here to witness it. And we want it remembered. See, not all memorials are public ones. Like gravestones and markers. Some memorials are more private. How many of you this morning wear a a wedding band or a wedding ring. It is a reminder of a promise, of a relationship. Quite often at a wedding, I will take the ring from the groom before I let him put it on the bride's finger. And I will hold it up and I will say something like this. The golden circlet from time immemorial, is made of pure love, symbolizing pure love. It is one unbroken circle, symbolizing unending and unbroken love. It is to be worn on the third finger of the bride's left hand. There is a mythical, mystical connection between this finger and the human heart. And as often as you shall see it, you will be reminded of this sacred covenant that you made here today. Across 48 years of pastoring, I've held a lot of rings like this. And some of them were incredibly expensive. And some of them were just simple little gold band with a little chip of a diamond on the top. And some of them were just a plain gold wedding band. But they were memorials. They were to serve as reminders and in our world we have others that we see on occasion the pink ribbons for cancer awareness breast cancer awareness and yellow ribbons for soldiers who are at war and there are so many others but what worries me is that we are surrounded by all these memorials and all these plaques and all of these things where people want to be remembered and we often forget what we're supposed to be remembering A lot of people wear a cross as part of their jewelry. I have one on now under this shirt. But there's a big difference between wearing a cross and bearing my cross. I run into people occasionally with a misdirected reverence for the Bible. People who treat this physical book with a kind of magical awe. Don't get me wrong. I'm I'm not saying it shouldn't be respected. 
but they treat it as though touching it or swearing on it or keeping it on the coffee table is going to bring some kind of special luck or some kind of holiness in their lives. And many of these people have never gotten into touch with the real holiness, which is when they read it and feel the same Spirit which gave the Scriptures and try on their own to put into practice and let Christ come into their lives. Oh, they reverence the Bible. They take care of their Bible. They just never open it up. Do you understand this morning what I'm trying to say? There's a difference between an outward symbol, a plaque on a wall somewhere, a marker, a memorial, a ritual. There's a difference between that and an inward reality which the outward symbol is meant to remind us of. And I get really worried and sometimes frustrated whenever I see that we forget this reality and we give reverence to the symbol rather than what has happened. See, it happens with communion as well, which is a ritual. It is a sacrament. It is a symbolic activity. With communion, the bread and the cup are reminders of an inward state or change. But sometimes we get so caught up in the symbols that we forget about the change that they are yelling at us about. And the change itself is what is really important. That's what matters. The reality of communion is not the bread and the cup. It's the inward change. And the outward sign does not necessarily cause an inward change. And sometimes it becomes this fake substitute for the inward change that needs to take place. So now, go with me over to 2 Timothy chapter 1. We were reminded of this passage in staff meeting this past week. And here's what it says. I thank God whom I serve. Paul is writing to young Timothy. I thank God whom I serve as my forefathers did with a clear conscience as night and day, I constantly remember you in prayers, recalling your tears. I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Did you hear it three times? Verse 3, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Verse 4, recalling your tears. Verse 5, I have been reminded of your sincere faith. See, for Paul, it was a real thing. It wasn't about a symbol. He was reminded of his friend Timothy, and he remembered him enough to pray for him. He remembered his pain, the pain in Timothy's life. He recalled the tears that Timothy had shed. And so it's from that passage that our little outline comes today. And some of you are saying, you mean there's an outline now? What was all that other stuff before we got to the outline? That was all introduction. Now we're getting to the outline. And the outline is based here on 
2 Timothy. And in this passage, we're taught a couple of things. We're taught to look up and re- look back and remember. Memorial Day is about remembering people. It was originally instituted to remember those who had died in the Civil War. You know that on the average day, 750 people visit the USS Arizona in Pearl Harbor. But on a typical Memorial Day, 4,600 people will visit that memorial. On an average day, some 3,000 people will walk past the Vietnam Memorial. But on a typical Memorial Day, 7,600 people will be there to visit that wall. We need to look back and remember those people, to remember the people who made an impact on our lives. Who was it for you? I'm reminded of the Sunday school teacher that I shared with you uh, two or three, well, several weeks ago. His name was Merle Wilson, taught me when I was in junior high. I'm reminded of Mr. and Mrs. Norton, uh, this unassuming couple of school teachers. They had no children. They lived in a simple home, very nice, but very simple. I was their pastor in Tulsa. They were very frugal people, very kind, very quiet. And yet when they passed away, they left in their will $1.5 million to Tulsa Central Church of the Nazarene. I'm reminded of Bernice Bryant who ran a business alone for 40 years after her husband left her. I was her pastor in a little town in Kansas, Independence, Kansas. And what an interesting lady she was. Very quiet, but man, she knew how to run that business. And she did it well. And she was probably, without doubt, not probably, the greatest giver in that little church during those days. I'm reminded of John Johnson. John was a member of the first church that I pastored in Dell City, Oklahoma. He was a guy about my size, quiet. He taught printing at a Votech. That was wonderful because he printed anything I wanted for the church for free. But John was, John was quiet. But when he spoke, it was from deep, a deep well of wisdom. And I remember on more than one occasion I would leave the church office and drive two blocks around to his house, knock on his door, he would come out, and we would sit right on the porch, first step, and I would pour my heart out to him about something that was going on in the church. And John, with quiet tones, found ways to encourage I have to remember those people. As long as I do, their memory still survives. Someone said it well. Say goodbye to me, but not to the thought of me. Look back and remember. And remember the change that a relationship with Jesus made in your life. Who were you before you discovered who He is? This little passage in Timothy also encourages us to look out and care. We need to love people while we can. It's hard to love some people, but we're supposed to love them. I I listened to a blues singer. 
His name is Paul Thorne. He's the son of a Pentecostal preacher uh, raised in Tupelo, Mississippi. And if you were to hear him sing, you would think that he was an old black blues man. But he's not. He's a white guy from Tupelo, Mississippi. And one of his songs that makes me smile is called I don't like half the folks I love. And I love that title. I don't like half the folks I love. Folks, am I the only one that's learning more about myself as I get older? Come on. I I learned recently what most of you have known, if you've known me very long. That at the core, I am an introvert. I always believed that I was an extrovert because I enjoy speaking to a crowd. And the bigger the crowd, the better. That's fine. Wrong. I'm not an extrovert. I'm an introvert. So much so that it hurts. And when I finally learned that that's who I am, it was quite liberating. I mean, you put me up in front of a crowd and I'm happy to be there. But you let me walk in to a room with about eight or ten people and I can become a wallflower quicker than you can imagine because it's painful to me. And that introversion can sometimes be misconstrued. I spoke several years ago at a series of conferences that our denomination held across the United States. They were called PALCON, Pastor Leadership Conference. And each of those conferences, there would be perhaps 1,200, 1,500 pastors in the audience. And when I spoke at uh, Mount Vernon Nazarene University in Ohio, after I had finished speaking, I stepped down off the platform and I was just greeting some people, and a lady came up to me. And she said, Pastor Tim, when we attended the Bible college there in Colorado Springs, we used to come up to Denver First Church. And we would be there sometimes for a service or we would be there for, a, for one of the big concerts that you held. I, I, I've just stepped off the platform talking to this lady. I don't know who in the world she is. I can't remember ever seeing her before in my life. This is what she's saying. And then she said, And when I used to come up there, I thought you were the most arrogant person I had ever seen in my life. And uh, that took me back. So I said to her, sometimes introversion can be misconstrued as arrogance or disinterest. We can misread other people. And just as I can be misread, I misread people so quickly that it hurts. They're trying to get through their stuff, just like the rest of us are. And we make judgments based on what we see or feel or read in a person when it's not what they're trying to convey at all. And so as a result, we don't feel very caring sometimes. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 says, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. 
See, Jesus taught us to love others, and He did it the best. All of us who are in this little electronic congregation this morning need to be loved. We may think we're the tough guy and we can get along without anyone, but we need to be loved. And as a result, we need to remember how to love other people as well, how to care for others. And finally in this passage, I think it teaches us to look up and honor. Ecclesiastes 12.1 says, Remember your Creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come and the years approach. You know why we're instructed to remember our Creator in the days of our youth? It's so we'll remember Him when we get older. One lady said, when my mother was on a health kick, she decided to push the limits of our family of picky eaters. She fixed a soup-like substance. It was a mixture of lentils and barley that none of us was eager to eat. We dreaded dipping into that grayish goop. We looked at each other, hoping someone would have the courage to ask mom if we could skip dinner. Fortunately, it was four-year-old Katrina's turn to say the blessing. And she summed up our sentiments perfectly when she prayed, Dear Lord, please take us to a restaurant. Makes little difference what it is. We need to be thankful to God for His blessings. James chapter 1, verse 17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. When we pastored in Denver, the house that we, well, I was going to say we owned, but we never really owned it. The bank owned it most of the time, but it was a wonderful house with five bedrooms and four bathrooms and two kitchens and a theater and all of the things that you would think would be part of an incredibly wonderful house. But when we left there and sold the house, we moved down here on the creek in Green Mountain Falls in our little cabin that's about eight or 900 square feet, maybe. And I came to the realization that I have so much to be thankful for living there on the creek in that little place. Sometimes I do want to compare it to where we once lived. But I look at that little place and open the windows at night and listen to the creek as it runs by and I am made grateful. God gives all kinds of good things One preacher told of an evening prayer meeting where they were sharing their blessings uh, before the prayer, sharing prayer requests as well. And, And one young man had recently been through some financial problems and he had taken out a consolidation loan at his credit union. And so it was with was with great gratitude that he announced to the group, I want to praise God tonight because I'm I was finally able to borrow enough money to get out of debt. Well, okay, whatever you think. We need to be thankful for every blessing, both large and small. And the greatest of those is salvation purchased on Calvary by Jesus Christ. You see, without Him, none of us are good enough to get in the door 
Acts 20, verse 7 says, on the first day of the week they came together to break bread. And most Bible commentators agree that this text is talking about the early Christians gathering every first day of the week to remember Christ in His supper, His last supper. It was Memorial Day for them. And there's one thing I'm sure of. It didn't make any difference when Memorial Day rolled around. As though they had one. They remembered and honored the Lord. Their memorial was the Lord's Supper. He is the one whom they remembered. So today, I trust that you will remember your parents, lost loved ones, military people who served or lost their lives. I hope you'll remember all those things. But somewhere in that list, why not at the very top, remember our Lord Jesus on this His day. Powerful Scripture, verse of Scripture I I think about today in Isaiah chapter 58, beginning with verse 13. Listen to these words. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath, I want to remind you of this verse in the next couple weeks when you can come back here and you're tempted to sit home in your soft pants and drink your coffee in your recliner, I just want to remind you of Isaiah 58. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, Then you will find your joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. Anyway, whatever it may be, any way you look at it, it always pays to look up and honor him. Father in heaven, grateful today for the beauty of this place where we live, grateful for the simple things in life that we often take for granted, grateful for the blessings that you bring to us that we don't even realize until they're long gone, perhaps. Grateful for the people who tune in on their computers or their phones or their iPads and listen And grateful that you have the ability to take words that I might speak and yet cause them to resonate in a person's heart that's many miles away from this place. Father, I pray that we will remember you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, before you go, don't hang up. My friend Shelby, member of our church board, is coming to give you an update on uh, our pastoral search. Miss Shelby. Candidate? Um, thank you, first of all, to the staff and board 
and all of you for making it a success. Um, he felt so welcome, and it was just really great for the times that we're dealing with. With that being said, we are going to vote on May 31st for Pastor Matt Delp. We are going to do a drive-through um, after church at 12 to 1.30 p.m. So you're going to come through. We're going to be safe, have masks, gloves. You're going to get a ballot, and we're going to make it go as quickly and smooth as possible. But we want your voice heard, so please come out and do that. And I hope you have an awesome week. Thanks. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. God bless you. Have a wonderful weekend. Oh